Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. Evening everyone, welcome to episode 8 of my Creative Minds Podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Sawley from up in the northeast. So Sawley uh, was a successful young promoter uh, running a brand called Hayes up in the northeast. He's also signed to reputable record labels, including uh, Lee Foster's Repopulate Mars, Danny Howard's Nothing Else Matters. He's had a string of BBC Radio One plays as well from Danny Howard. Uh, Furthermore, he's signed to Defected Sister Label, I believe, and he's recently joined one of the biggest booking agencies in the world, NGE, so I'm just going to invite him in now. Easy, son. Yes, mate, how you doing? Good, mate. How you keeping? I'm good, mate. Not too bad. Can you hear good. me? Good. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's all good, mate. Well, all good. I'm so... Good. Yeah, well, uh, we'll jump straight into it. Uh, so what I want to do, just before obviously, we talk about the success you experienced throughout last year, obviously the start of this year before the world kind of went to shit, uh, is kind of going right back to the start of your musical journey. And obviously, don't get me wrong, I know you're not in your 40s or anything like that. Obviously, you've still got, you've still got a long way to go on the journey, but... Uh, so I've, I think, I'm not sure when we became friends over social media, probably about a year and a half ago, but I was kind of tr- tracking your stuff before that. So obviously I've listened to a lot of your releases um, and the way that I feel it personally is, obviously with a lot of it, you can feel a lot of like drive and power in in the productions. Um, and obviously clearly you've, you've carved your own sound over the yes. past couple of years with your productions, but... One of the main things that I was intrigued about, and don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going to make the podcast about your old man, because I know he'd probably, he'd probably love that, but how much of an influence would you say growing up was your dad on your productions and just, I suppose, everything in general? Like... Uh, I, you know, I'm going to have to be quite honest with you, because um, I was born in like, Bradford. Yeah. And, um, No. that's that's good so i mean that's that's mad really because i mean when i was growing up my mom listened to a lot of like moby and faithless and stuff like that which is quite obscure isn't it for like a lot a lot of parents they listen to like your generic stuff whereas like you say if you're on the way to school and your mom's banging out Derek carter you think well yeah if i if i don't end up listening to house or producing house there's probably something uh something wrong but what what other kind of artists would you say influenced you in terms of not just your DJing, but also your productions as well. Um, I look at like the Chemical Brothers and Ecology and um, Basement Jackson stuff, like all, all that kind of uh, vibes. But I take like a lot of influence from hip hop because like I, I love hip hop and I love like rap. And yeah. I love bands and stuff. So it's kind of like a wide spectrum of like influences that I do take like all the um, ideas from. Yeah, that's that's what I noticed. To be fair, is uh, especially in Dead Eye and a couple of other tunes, you've got though you've got that hip hop influence with the samples yeah. and, and the vocals, but then you've turned it into your own. And 
probably yeah. in, incorporated it quite cleverly to, like you say, make it your own track and not just look like it's similar to obviously the original. But yeah. coming off of that, um, obviously, like you say, you've clearly listened to a lot of different music um, growing up, and then you decided to start your own brand, Haze, yeah, which. Yeah. To be honest, I actually didn't realise that was yours until we became friends. And I noticed what, what was really impressive with clearly your musical knowledge from a young age, the kind of artists that you were booking. So obviously you were booking everyone yeah. from from like Butch to, you know, like obviously your artists up north, like Richie Ahmed, Patrick, yeah. but then you've had like Roger Sanchez. So you've not just pigeonholed yourself to one genre. You've tried to bring in quite a variety of artists but that carry on mate sorry <laughs> that's all so, good. so i was like in newcastle shadow so we wanted to kind of bring like the biggest and best artists to like our hometown and mm. uh, like stuff but like when we started here we never expected to turn it into what like what grew into it was just kind of like the town wasn't very good for like nights out and stuff and there wasn't much for like our friends to go to so we just literally put on a night just to like bring our friends out and like Music and it just kind of grew and grew and grew from there. Yeah. I couldn't even, I was just starting to promote, promote, I couldn't even DJ when I started years. <laughs> so, was, was Hayes the first brand that you were associated with, or did you work as a promoter when you were like 18, 19, learned some of the trade, and then did your own thing? Yeah, I think that's what's good as well, is I think anyone listening, it's really important. If you're looking to start your own brand, don't get me wrong, if you're an absolute genius and you're fortunate enough to have a load of money behind you, which let's be honest nowadays, is especially with the pandemic, it's not realistic. Yeah. It's like with um, you kind of just replicated rightly what Morgan Bennett was saying on the previous one that works with Patrick Top, and he said, first and foremost, really, you want to just start a brand with like-minded people as a collective of mates and even if it just starts off as a, a decent group of residents you're all pushing a you know a sound but you both you all bring yeah. something different to the table because i've definitely seen it before where i think people like will go probably too much in the deep end booking a massive headliner is like the first or second part and it's like unless you really know what you're yeah. doing there, there's a lot of risk when unfortunate but i'm sure to be fair you'll uh goes that saying cut come back stronger but with the artists that you were booking how much do you feel that that benefited you in terms of the networking and the relationships and uh, i suppose giving yourself exposure up in the northeast yeah. as well Like, 
Yeah, it, it's a good piece of advice because, like you say, even if you know you don't have a big financial backing at first, you throw a good couple of parties with just you know decent local residents, you start building a little bit of a kitty, then you know you get yeah. you know you get a half decent headliner, and like you say, especially as someone like yourself who wanted to break through as an artist as a producer. You've got to think tactically about who you want to book. So, for instance, if you were trying to sign to a label, just purely as an example, like Piv or No Art, you wouldn't then book someone on the opposite side of the spectrum because that's not that's not the artist you want to meet. And uh, I like your point there as well, and that's something that I always try to relate to people. It's about that face-to-face connection because, you know, if you look after them when they come and play for you and, you know, you play just before them, it... It's not coincidence, it's just tactical because you drop your yeah. tune just before they jump on. The likelihood is if it's a decent tune, they'll say, What's that? Oh, that's mine, yeah. pass it to them, and then it all it all nicely slots in. Yeah. To be fair. Like it's true. You listen to a demo and sometimes like twenty seconds if you're not feeling it and that's it. So like definitely face to face can like it's a, it's a massive, massive help. Yeah. So I know with Hayes, you ended up having a couple of showcases with Hideout Festival in Croatia. So how how did that come about in terms of you going from, you know, a humble party in Sunderland to then being able to do your own showcase at Hideout? Um, well, basically messaged him and saying, like, asking him to be club partners. Cause I think we heard, like, a few years ago that Motion done that. And that's what Pat used to do. Yeah. Yeah, I bet, mate. I bet that was next level. How how old were how old were you when you did that? Three years ago, so twenty three. Twenty three, living the dream, mate. Twenty three, doing that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> level that is man big up but what what i'm intrigued about there as well is you were saying how successful you were in terms of selling out events now i know you said that you were quite clever because you realized there was a gap in the market up in sunderland yeah. where there probably wasn't that much competition because as you know i know a couple of lads from newcastle one of the one of the artists that i managed duo they're from newcastle and they yeah. said it's, it's the same in a lot of cities where once you get one or two big brands, it is hard to compete. Whereas I suppose you probably thought, why would I want to move into Newcastle when there's space here in Sunderland? And yeah. it's, it's, I suppose it's it's a convenience thing and, you know, it's a big enough place for you to build a stronghold and get yeah. loyal customers. So did you always find that it was naturally quite easy to sell tickets or what was your kind of tactic where you felt you built a good following with the brand. We just wanted to um, like book artists that we like and like bring them and showcase them there with like with the Sunderland crowd. But we'd always have like a res- like a well known resident like playing the events as well. So they would bring their crowds in and then they'd probably see like a DJ that they've never seen before. They'd be like, oh yeah, he's mint. I think we've had some massive. We have, I think we had Enzo and um, Sebzito about, about like four or five years ago, and that was one of the best nights, and no one had ever heard of them. Yeah. I think this is a really important point as well is sometimes it's quite hard to convince people because until these artists break through, I mean, don't get me wrong, if you're from down south... They don't want to commit the, commit the money, which is understandable because they, they think that they might have a shit night or they might not enjoy the music. Why would they want to spend the money? Yeah. So that's why we always like, had our residents like, around the main app to bring the people in. That, that really worked. Yeah, I, I do agree there. I think the problem is you can try and market people as best as you can, but we both know as promoters because of what a lot of people are like now in the scene until those artists break through it's very hard to, and unless someone's a music head it's yeah. very hard to convince someone to say oh i know this person's going to be big because they're just like well yeah of course you're going to tell me that because you want because you want me to buy a ticket but you probably have 
a feeling because obviously you love the music and you think now nah, this person's got something yeah. that's special it stands out but when you're trying to convince someone that's actually not massively obsessed with the music it does make it hard so i think that's that's a really good point there what you say is getting good residents in and around the headliners because they're yeah. going to bring in bring in people as well so what apart from enzo and and seb what other kind of artists were you were you bringing through that were i suppose established and ones that were breaking through as well <laughs> yeah, best best of luck trying to get that one again, mate. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was a massive night, and that was one of the best nights that we've had. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else. Um, ben Sterling and Redux, just we thought they were like a few of our last parties. We had them two on. Um, early years. We ended up bringing, um, what's he called? Clive Henry. We had Clive Henry. Oh, mad. Yeah, mate, original Circa Loco, Don's Clive, mate, yeah, big, big up Clive Henry, man, because I think those kind of artists like Clive Henry, Alex are now, I think the older crowd, it's not that people don't respect him, but the older crowd understand that these are the real Don's, like, these yeah. people were holding it down. Yeah, that's who, like, I want to learn from, like, like yeah. Them because they've got stories to tell for years, you know what I mean? And yeah, like, trust me. Mad. It's good though, because I like that you brought a, a lot of diversity with, with the choice in, in the lineups yeah. rather than just going down one route. And would, would you say that apart from yourself, was there you and a couple of other people within the Hayes crew where you'd bat ideas at each other and think maybe this is a good person yeah, to book? Or... We always have meetings and there's like eight of us who are involved. So like you get a kind of general consensus because each person has their own ideas and everyone just comes to like a general consensus who would want to yeah were, were you all kind of reading off the same hymn sheet that like was obviously i don't want to be intrusive but obviously because when you're working with eight people especially in the music industry we all know that sometimes egos clash that's just how it yeah. is but was it all was it generally always pretty decent because wow. you're all we're, we're off as like eight mates and that's what it's like that's what i kind of steered off but like over the yeah. last like five six years everyone's kind of like fizzled out and like doing different things and that now so that's kind of where i'm like Because I suppose when you first start out as, as a promoter and, and a DJ, you think, oh, I'd love to do something in Sunderland. But then when things go well in Sunderland and like, like we'll come on to what you're doing now, you soon realise, you think, you know what, there's a good chance here I could do something all around the world. And it's mad because when you're younger, you think, nah, nah, there's no chance. I, I probably won't even do something in, in my own town or city. But then as it grows, you realise, well, why stop here? Like, if, if I've done well here, and, like, you know, the that, good... That is, long, that is, like, serious long-term goal for me, like, get whatever I do, like, globally, if I can. Yeah. It's pipe in at the minute, but it's something that I'm seriously working towards. But that's the thing, though, like, I think it's all about mindset a lot of the time. If you tell yourself, nah, nah, I'm not going to do that, well, the, re the reality is you're probably never going to do it because you're telling yourself yeah. you're not going to, whereas, like you say that's a long-term goal at least you're not saying oh yeah i want to do it in six months because that might be difficult but the fact you know you're now working with david from locus you've got a good booking agent as well yeah. definite def 100 um you know a, po a possibility um in future so now we i know Yeah, I bet it. I bet it is. I bet it is pretty mad. 
to be fair. So now we've discussed uh, Hayes in a bit of detail. Um, obviously, I was I was reading, you know, how how good it was at the end of two thousand and nineteen. You know, when you were kind of reflecting uh, on last year, how much your like determination and your passion was starting to pay off, and I think especially at the moment, um, it's a really important message to send out to aspiring artists who are watching how. Going into 2019, you had no releases under your belt um, and you finished the year with four and you had four signed for 2020. So, obviously, no doubt at times, you know, especially the start of 2019, you're going to have your self-doubts, especially in the world of social media, where especially because most of your contacts on Facebook, Instagram are going to be in the music industry and you're thinking... It's understandable, even if you've got a positive mindset, you're going to think, oh, you know, this person's doing this and why aren't I doing this? But what, what was it that encouraged you just to keep pushing and just keep trying to break through and get your music signed? And um, I'll speak on self-doubt a little bit first because, like, I still have it now. And I think, like, it's, it's natural. And I've learned to accept that, like, no matter what you do, you're always going to doubt yourself just because you, your mind's kind of your worst enemy. I was listening to a, um, a podcast from Doug Fire the other day, and he's saying that even when he makes his music, he sometimes doubts himself. That's Doug Fire. That's Doug Fire. Which I was like, fuck that. I, I, I thought it was going to get easier. You get more of it. But it probably gets worse because you, there's more things to compare yourself to, and like people's expecting more and more from you. So yeah. But that's kind of like the life of a creator, isn't it? But if you keep pushing on, you know that. You, Something good's gonna come from it. Yeah. It's inevitable. You keep, keep working at it. But what kept us going is like it's what what I love and it's like what I want to do for the rest of my life. And like kind of with any business, if you work your way up to the top, you can have a good life and you can provide for your family and future generations and stuff. And then bring other people through off to the back of your success and give them a platform as well. And that's kind of like what keeps me going. Yeah, definitely. But I think that's. A really important message is that people might look at you and think oh he's probably comfortable now because you know he's got a decent booking agent and management but like you it's say it's <laughs> yeah and the fact that you listen to a Dubfire podcast and that's someone who Dubfire is like probably the same as you, one of my favourite artists, just absolute yeah. different, different level. And it, you know, even the guys at the top, because the level of competition, even when you've broken through, is that high. It's like now you've broken through. Now you've got to maintain that level of consistency, yeah. and you're always, especially the lot, the lineups that he's on. You know, he's on the same lineups as. Martinez brothers, Jamie Jones, you know, all these artists that are just absolute, just different calibre. So naturally, you know, even though, you know, them guys probably have good relationships, you've got to look and think, you know, imagine you st- imagine you taking over from like Martinez brothers or Jamie Jones. I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah, you 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 would shit yourself a bit, to be fair, and I, I don't blame I don't blame anyone but Yeah. Definitely. I think it's I think it's massive as well for for people to reflect and actually take time and slow down and realise how far you've come because especially with social media, people, it, there's nothing wrong with looking forwards and wanting to achieve, but especially the world we live in now, people don't slow down enough. It, everything is so fast paced. And I think that's definitely something that we've, we've had to learn from the pandemic is you look at how pretty much all of us were living before. You'd never, you'd never really slow down. You'd never take time to think, you know what, actually looking back at where I first started, especially, you know, like yourself, you started out doing little parties in Sunderland. You think, Fucking yeah. hell, like, I'm actually not doing too bad, to to be fair, but, yeah. The thing is, what I don't understand most is that, like, if, whatever, if it's going to be good, it is going to take time, and, like, the mm. lot, like, all the stories that I listen to from, like, everyone who's, like, successful in, that, uh, in any industry, it takes time, and I think, like, a lot 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just because I know that it's kind of like probably another five years before I actually will uh, be where I want to be. But like at the moment, I'm like I'm living through me dreams. Like I'm living it now. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. So, like I'm, I'm enjoying the grind. I'm enjoying like having headaches over music and stuff like that. But like, because once you get to the top, then where's it going? Yeah, it's true. And that's um a really big thing where because obviously people naturally compare themselves to others and i think i I put up a status last week where i was thinking like my mom like god bless her she's like early 50s now and she won't mind me saying because she says it herself she's only just got her shit together now and she's like early 50s so the fact that you've got like kids that are like 22 23 and they're putting so much pressure on themselves to to, yeah. to not even never uh, never mind yeah, but yeah. you just got like you find yourself and like appreciate them times when they like you are struggling and you're grinding through it because they are, you look back on them and you think like they were the best times yeah 100 percent. and what what i love is watching interviews and podcasts especially with people like eats everything i don't think he made it till he was like mid 30s was he early early 30s yeah. <laughs> Let let's hope your let's hope your missus doesn't give that to you. <laughs> no, like, well, I will speak on fear because like having her beside me these last two years has been like massively like having someone to support us that much. She does all like the artworks and stuff, which is like an expense that like I probably couldn't afford at the, at the, like at the moment, and she's really helping out on that side. But just if I need time and space to do music, like she's understanding. And yeah. Having someone like that in your corner is like massive. No, that's class. I think I think she's uh, you scored some brownie points there, mate. She seems chuffed. <laughs> but now I, I have noticed some of her artwork as well, mate. She's she's amazing, man. The work that she does is uh, is class. And uh, obviously putting up with you as well. So fair play to her. <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah. No, definitely. So the next point I wanted to discuss was the close relationship that you've got with Danny Howard now. And obviously it's not just a business relationship. Clearly there's a natural friendship that's formed there. Yeah. And obviously I don't want to steal the limelight and tell the story for you, but in terms of you meeting him, you know, I want you to, if you don't mind, talk us through when you first met him and the relationship you've got now, how pivotal that's been as a turning point in your career so far? Probably been like the turning point in my career. Like, it probably sounds like a daft little love story, this, but <laughs> like, you know, I was up high and I was like by myself just walking along the beach, like 10,000 people there. And I just like, I, I, thought, I looked over and I thought I recognised him. He just ate some pizza. How mad, how mad was that? lucky but you think at the same time you almost feel like it's fate fate and i think especially when, when you're at these big festivals anyone who's producing music who wants to get signed don't get me wrong i like a party as much as the next person but yeah. when, whenever i go i went to sonus last year and uh voitman 
because I looked after him, he kindly sorted me out backstage. And I was like, these yeah. are opportunities you, you don't get. And, you know, everyone likes a party, but if you're going there with the intent of meeting these people, you know, don't get absolutely wasted, you know, be observant because the good, the, the, there's a good chance at these bigger events, you're going to notice someone that yeah. normally you ain't going to see in Sunderland or anywhere like that. So if you notice them, you know, go, go, go there. And worst case, you know, sometimes, yeah, there is going to be the odd person in the industry that might be a little bit dismissive. But if you go about things in the right way and, you know, you're not falling into them and you're not being a nose, if you're polite and, you know, and, and you're keen, they're not, they're not going to turn you down most of the time. They'll at least no, give no. you their, e- they'll at least give you their email. Yeah, that that is uh, a really big point as well. Is just building relationships, and, you know, be, being genuine, and you know, taking an interest in what other people are doing. Because if if people can see that you're talented and, and you're a good person, you know, people will open a door for you. But yeah. what what I've seen is, you know, you you do get people that are talented, but if if you haven't got the right attitude, and you know, sometimes as well, if you've got a big ego and you know, you're not going about things in the right way. There's a, there's a lot of people where they're just going to be like, well, no, like, you know, even if you are talented, like if you, if basically if, if you're not a good person, then the likelihood is that people aren't going to always open doors for you. So yeah. I think the main thing is I've got, it's not really hard to be like a person or a person. Yeah. I feel like people do need to be, I feel like people do need to be reminded at times though, just to, you know, Sometimes, you know, you do, people do get a couple of big bookings, you know, you start getting all this attention and people don't realise that it goes to their head, but you've got yeah. to remain humble, man, because otherwise, you know, if, if, if you end up being an arsehole, then you're going you're gonna to piss the wrong people off. And, yeah. you know, especially, like you say, when you want to climb the ladder, you know, you could end up, you know, people getting the wrong impression of you when that's not actually what you're like but it's all about first impressions as well especially with these bigger people in the industry because they come across so many people it's really important that you give a good first impression So, coming off of the Friday Fire with Dead Eye, that was the one that got signed to, is it Defected Sister Label, is it? Yeah, DFTD. Yeah, DFTD. I see that, did that go to number one, did it, that one? Yeah. It's not, not bad going, to be fair, mate. But... Since then, you've still obviously remained close with Danny. You signed an EP to his label. So off the back of the Friday Fire, how did the relationship continue to blossom from there? Yeah. 
class as well i think it, it's nice that you've got that personal friendship rather than it just being strictly business as well yeah, which, which is it's like, it's, it's crazy off like a, like a chance meeting as i say what if something could go on to so like now like i've got that confidence now if i see someone just to like go over and speak to them because you never know what doors it might open or how that relationship might develop in the future yeah in in terms of radio as well i, I think that radio plays uh, a massive i know that nowadays people feel like with there being a lot of other ways to stream and listen to music but getting a play on bbc radio one is still massive in terms of breaking an artist I through because still, 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 I, I, I know that a track's gonna get played i go on a drive or i'll just sat and put my monitors on and just get ready and like, switch it when it happens i yeah What I would say coming off of the fact that you had that chance encounter with Danny and obviously there's you know there's other people as well your likes of Annie Mac but it goes without saying most of the time you know they're quite hard to to get hold of because obviously correct me if I'm wrong you know they'll have their producers that will you know help them with the music as well for for their shows but I'd even say to artists and this is something that I push all my artists on is if you can get your music to good BBC introducing platforms, especially your likes of uh, Jaguar, who's got her own yeah. introducing show really on BBC Radio 1. Like she's, she's quality in terms of bringing through diverse artists, whether it's uh, people of colour or just in general, the music that they're pushing. And, yeah. you know, the thing is as well, they all move in the same circles. Like she mixes with your likes of Pete Tong and that. So if they're hearing music these bigger radio djs that she's pushing on her show the good chance is then that's a good way for your name to get heard and um, is through introducing and then you know being following on from that well i will say for any like artists out there like any genre that bbc upload a thing that's amazing i think you know upload like two tracks a month yeah and you'll get instant feedback saying someone's listening to your track this doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get played but somebody's taking a listen and if i like it we'll play it yeah i think Yeah, definitely. And then I, I don't think that people snub introducing, but I think people just assume that, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go straight to main BBC Radio 1. And the chances of that happening, you know as well as anyone, it's very, very slim of that happening. Yeah, if, you, if you're a local lad and they play on your local radio station, like say, my, I think mine first got played on BBC Newcastle, that was something to me to shout about and like, like show that your music is getting played on the areas. That's kind of like the bottom way you should start. Yeah. And then just work your way up. Tell like Sam Fender and all that got found out, I think, through um, BBC and Juice. And so it's definitely a platform to use and for um, upcoming artists. Yeah, definitely. But after the relationship with Danny Howard and you signing to him, I also loved the story about how you got signed to uh, Lee Foss's label, Repopulate Mars. And I know you were saying that you were yeah. sending demos to them for quite some time, probably just yeah, under a year. Yeah, about 18 months or something. Yeah. Kept, like, kept getting knocked back every time, just saying, uh, no, not for me. And then like, I got wind that he was playing in Newcastle. And I messaged like, the promoter there, I was saying, oh, is there any chance of getting on this line? I think we'll do a popular Mars one. I said, like, look, I'll, I'll play it for free. And um, said, so again, the was on, warming up for him. So played like my set. And then after that, I think he played a couple of tunes and he just shouted as well. He says, oh, do you want to go back? Yeah. 
Decent bit of advice that is, definitely, especially like. Especially with the bigger labels, because they get so many demos, they want to say that them clubs are standing up in in the them tracks are standing up in the clubs, or that the tracks have credibility first before they invest any time and money into them, into the releases and stuff. So that's what kind of why I'm like I'm sitting tight at the minute. We have to get that out in the clubs, test our new music. Yeah. class another really point that really impressed me and something i'm hopefully going to do in the next couple of years was you know i've got a massive amount of respect for the fact that you left your full-time job to concentrate on music full-time so at one point did you realize it was the it was the right move to make so obviously it, it goes about saying at any age even if you've got less commitments it's a it's a bold thing to do in a big leave but what what was it for you that made you realize i i need to do it full time um because i would have constantly been wondering like what if if i never give it a go like i've got a mindset now that like if um if see if it doesn't pan out i can still go and get another job and i can graft hard at that and work my way up so it wasn't really like this is such um i did make sure that i had like a lot in place going forward so I made sure that like I had like the releases lined up, so I think I had like four or five um, solid releases before I told the manager to get like I'm leaving, <laughs> and that gave myself like six six months. Uh, I told my manager like six months earlier just to give them the prep and type of time because I was the only one doing that job, and um, I wanted to get myself in like a mind frame. So like I cut back on all my spends, got all my like direct debits and that down, and just like see it, see it, see it. Big up, man. That's a bit of advice for me, mate, because that's something that I struggle with. Because it, it is hard, especially. <laughs> but it it was a point that I was making. I was at a conference in Liverpool at the start of the year, and this is what I said to a lot of aspiring artists in in the crowd: is you know, obviously, don't get me wrong, I've only been doing management for you know next to nothing time. You know, yeah. I, I know nothing compared to a lot more experienced managers, but this is what i'm saying especially you know great point you made there is if you really want it that bad and you're that passionate and you want to make it full time as an artist you'll be willing to make the sacrifices financially to be able to do it yeah of course I think that's one thing that I've realised is I've I fell into the trap of like the corporate environment. You think, yeah, yeah, I'll have a nine to five job and you know, I'll earn like fairly decent money. But after a couple of years you realise I'm just another salary reference number, I'm just another head in an office. Do I really want to look back when I'm in my sixties about to retire thinking, nah, did was this really what I wanted out of life? Yeah. And and I think a lot more people are waking up to that now, but it, it's a matter of yeah. But what I what I will say is like in like that job, like that kept us going and like before and after work, that's when I was working on like what my music and everything to get to a point where I could like I, I was at like the skill level to be able to make music. I had releases lined up because I think when people think about quitting work, they just think like right, I want to quit work, like what do I do? But you don't want to be like quitting work and pursuing something if you haven't already built up like a profile first. Because if you if you left your job with no profile, that, uh, you're stuck. Yeah. Well, I think even even before even before COVID, you know, jobs are few and far between. So I think that the best thing that I listen to, and I'm not and I'm not going to take credit because it looks like I'm robbing someone else's words, but like Joe Rogan did a podcast 
but it also it was an edited one where you had pieces from you know Gary V the entrepreneur yeah. in there as well and he was saying it definitely is possible I think people convince themselves that it's impossible to leave your full-time job but if you save enough money and you give yourself a window and like you say you have yeah. a game plan if you have no savings and you've got a mortgage cars on finance all these massive outgoings obviously you're going to leave yourself in the shit you're going to leave yourself in a deep end where you're like well No, of course, man. And and this is why, especially because you're still young, you know, the younger you are, the less commit generally speaking, the less commitment you have. If you're in your thirties, the likelihood is by then you've got these commitments, so it's gonna be ten times harder for you to just be like, Well, sorry Nat West, I ain't paying my mortgage and you know, sorry Mercedes, I ain't paying my car on finance. There's a lot more risk involved, whereas Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not knocking anyone for that because it is an easy trap to, to fall into. I mean, I, I did it a couple of years ago where you get yourself into overdrafts and God knows what, and you think, oh, fuck's sake, like, find a bit of a mare. But, you know, it, it's the thing is as well, it's all about learning. Like, you know, we're, we're only young at the end of the day. Like, don't put so much pressure on yourself. But the the next point was probably coming more towards where you're at now. Um, and obviously, apart from the fact, you know, you're a decent DJ, you're making decent tracks, but I feel like, especially now, to make it in this industry, you, you have to be a full package. And I'm not saying, you know, about image and everything else, but in terms of, you have to know what you want. Like, if you're going to work with management and a booking agent, you've gonna got to be pretty clear about what you want to achieve long term and obviously you've got strong work ethic a lot of drive passion and determination but how how integral would you say it is in terms of your development now as a breakthrough artist with you finding the right booking agent and the right management that works for you as well what was that kind of process like Doesn't sound too bad, mate, to be fair, so far. <laughs> David a couple of times I think I'm not entirely sure when I booked Alicia back in 2018 I think she might have just signed with David I think he was working as a agent or a manager but now big up big up David Bourne because how weird is it that when I wanted to go into artist management back in 2018 I approached him because I wanted to work for him um, and it, yeah. at the time he was too busy but fair play to him he pointed me in the direction of Jack who I worked for at seventeen twelve as an artist management assistant, but then me and Jack have gone into business together. So fair play to David. Like, you know, he didn't just snub me off. He had the decency to say, look, mate, I can't help you at the moment, but he pointed me in the direction of someone who, you know, ended up, luckily, you know, I've, I've got a good business partner now. So 
Yeah, yeah. I think. No, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. And that that's really imperative. Is that you know you you can work with a big management company, and you know don't get me wrong. I think the good thing here is that David obviously has a good close relationship with you. Obviously, you know it's none of my business what relationship you have, but like you've just you know paid homage to the relationship you've got there already. Yeah. Is that I, the amount of cases I've read about in the past where especially young artists, they get thrown straight in the deep end with a big management company. And I don't think it happens maybe as much now, but especially over the years, young artists get approached by a big management company, they get sold the dream, and then, yeah. you know, you get thrown into the deep end. And, okay, yeah, the money might be there, but if you haven't got someone there to support you on a personal level, you quickly realise, I might have all this money, but the amount of mental health problems that's probably occurred over the years because people don't take the time to look at what manager is right for them on a personal yeah. level because it's all well and good. Everyone's got this dream of, like, I, I want to earn loads of money, I want to become a millionaire, but if you're fucked mentally by the time, you know, you're, you're like, mid-20s, it's... it's, it's yeah. But what I will say, like, I think you kind of need to have a strong vision yourself before you take on a management because you don't want a manager coming in and saying, like, this is what you're doing, this is what, like, this is the path. Um, I've always said, like, even with, like, Joanna and stuff, like, I don't want to be going to her and asking, like, where's the gigs? I want the gigs to be coming to me through what I'm doing. I just want, like, my team around me to kind of add, like, icing on the top and open the doors. But, like, ultimately, the work, the main work's going to come from me and what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think, like, that's what, like, you've made there because although don't get me wrong yeah the role of an agent is to get your bookings management yeah. you know will help take that workload off you of course man of course at the end of the day the way that i look at it i'd like to think you know that this isn't me bigging myself up i like to fire ideas in my artist but it's not about the manager firing everything at you it's all about batting ideas back and forth you yeah. bring something to me and i'll maybe say okay, yeah, there's an idea. This is how I can develop it for you to bring it to life. Managers, yeah. aren't, managers aren't miracle workers at the end of the day. Like, you've, yeah. you've got to be able to, like you say, perfectly put... <laughs> perfectly put there, though, that, you know, it's going to be a better working relationship if you're going to the manager as well with ideas rather than just being like, mate, have you got anything for me? Because it's like, well, like you say, you've got to give... The ammunition for the yeah. manager to be able to fire and make the magic, make the magic happen. So now some really wise words there, for sure. So I think we've already touched on a few of the bits, but obviously, despite the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're still pretty young, you've had some impressive gigs under your belt over, you know, the past few years. What would you say are your main highlights so far in terms of DJing and, and what are your aims like long term in terms of gigs? Um, highlights like, like that first year I had it that was insane just being be with everybody that like, first like taste of like kind of like playing on a big stage that was like massive. Um, another one was when I was warming up for Hodgson 82 in District 8 in Dublin. I've never played to like the Irish crowd and that's the most I've ever like got back in terms of energy and I was just like banging at the set in that one times in Belgium as well, like playing in a different environment like that. They don't really go out there, like all like just the nines and stuff but, like that for the music. There's not, not many phones and that kicking about and like you just get locked in a groove with them and that's I really enjoyed them too set there. Um and I think like probably one of the best ones was just before lockdown. Um I think it was a canvas and I think everyone knew that we were all going into lockdown so everyone was kind of out ready for like the last party. <laughs> Dead eyes went to number one, so that, that was fucking 
Decent. Yeah, definitely. Trying to say, say how things go on that, but like, I, I want to start a label, I want to start it sooner, but I think I've, it's better to wait until I've got like a bigger profile and a bigger platform to start releasing music on my own label. So that's in the plans, and uh, yeah, probably going to start the own night again from the ground up by residents, just getting the vibe and the little community and a culture going. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at opening, well, I've got a studio which has got like four rooms, and um, getting that developed up because I want to create like a little hub for producers and DJs to like bounce ideas around. Yeah, and that's sick. For a video show, so just waiting back for prices and all that, and then going to get stuck into that because like you don't really have like record shops anymore where people, you know, I'm listening to all these podcasts from like 20 years ago. It's not like a hub during the week where people can go to and share ideas, so that's kind of yeah. See, it's mad because my business partner, Jack, said exactly the same thing. He said, hopefully, if we end up making a decent amount of money as managers in the long run, that's exactly something that he wanted to do. Because what I really loved was, I think, the interview that Jamie Jones did in London. And he was saying the reason why a lot of us went on to do well was because we didn't hog ideas. We weren't really secretive. Like, you know, he was producing with your Robert Jameses, your people like that. It was basically his gaff was like a hub for producers that were like-minded they weren't in it for the money they weren't in it for the fame the image they just fucking love the music and that's i think that's what we need to get back to it's not just about oh i'm not sharing this idea with you because you're gonna rob it it's like if you're all in in it for the right reasons you can you can all have a slice of success in this industry exactly Yeah, definitely. I think I've timed it pretty well. We've, we've, we've got about two minutes left. So what I would just ask now, just to really finish off, is what, what would be like the main pieces of advice you would have for artists who were really trying to push that breakthrough? And like you say, especially with your job, the last thing you wanted to do was like look back in years to come and think, I've been doing a job that actually didn't really want to do and you ne- you never really took the chance to pursue it. Because I, what I really liked is Andrew Kay, who plays for 338, said the other day, he's like, big up everyone that's actually taken the chance because at least you can turn around and say, mate, at least I tried. Like, what's the point on looking back later in life and thinking, well, actually, I never even gave, I never even gave it a go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, you've inspired me tonight. Anyway, I'm gonna fucking graft as soon as I get off this podcast. <laughs> Definitely, but uh, no, I really appreciate your time, brother, and hopefully uh, we'll cross paths at some point anyway. Big up, mate. Take care, man. See you later.